God, thank you that you're utterly and completely present here among us. Whether we can see it or feel it, even believe it or acknowledge it, you're here. You are the creator of all things. You fashioned our hearts and you know every bit of them. And so I ask you, God, uh, by your presence here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. I ask that you use uh, my words and my thoughts, Lord, that you would communicate mostly your words and your thoughts through my heart. I ask, Lord, that you'd bring alive the scripture, illuminate that scripture, apply it to our lives where we so desperately need it, And Jesus, bring the change that we long for and that you long for in and through our lives. Amen. Okay. I want to start with a bold statement. Ready for a bold statement? All right. The most courageous decision that we can make any day is to live daily in reality. There's my bold statement. Most courageous decision that a person can make is to choose to daily live in reality. Now, you may think, Randy, not so bold, duh, you can't avoid reality. Well, the reality is, as a, as a nation, we've made a profession out of avoiding, escaping, and altering reality. And um, I think that one of the most courageous things we can do as believers in Jesus, as those seeking God and wanting to serve him with all that we have, is to live in reality. Not just avoid it or paint it over or tirelessly try to change it or find something to escape it or numb it and just live in a fantasy world, but to live in reality. On the average in America, each adult, we're talking adults, spends an average of five hours a day watching TV. I had to read that. I had to explore other places. Adults, five hours daily, average, amazing. Now, maybe some of you are saying, I'm in reality. I watch reality TV. (laughs) So it's a little secret just between us. It's not real. $23 billion. That's how much we Americans spent watching movies last year. Over $13 billion spent on pornography. $13 billion. That's uh, equivalent to the amount of total U.S. aid to foreign countries in every form last year. We spent on pornography as Americans. Pornography is like going to the streets of Istanbul and trying to buy a Rolex. I've tried it. Believe it. It's not real. I mean, pornography is a a quest for intimacy, but it's a false intimacy. And maybe like the Rolex from Istanbul, it lasts for a little while, but it will fail you. And in the end... It's ruinous. $13 billion last year spent on video games. 135 million people play video games regularly. That's at least three hours a week. I'm not saying that's wrong, sinful, bad. I'm just saying we are working hard, spending a lot of time and money avoiding reality. We spent $110 billion on illegal drugs, over $100 billion on alcohol, $70 billion on lottery tickets to change our reality. 
Again, I'm not saying, now some of that stuff is just pure evil. And some of that stuff is, can have its good parts, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a moral judgment about it. What I'm saying is, as a people, so much of our culture, and we fall into it too, we spend our time and effort trying to avoid reality because it is so painful or so difficult or so beyond our ability to comprehend or bring change to. And what I'm saying this morning is what is real courage for the believer, for the person on the planet today in the midst of our difficulty is to live every day in reality. So I want to talk about three uh, realities of reality this morning. Number one, there is this reality. The world is broken. All right. How many knew that when you walked in? The world is broken. I won't make you show your hands, but uh, guess what? We're all broken, too. And I don't need to spend a lot of time convincing you this morning that the world is broken and that we each have broken parts of our lives, that we ourselves are broken. The Bible says it like this, Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. It's just reality. The world is broken and we have entered into that brokenness. No matter what you imagine God's law to be like or believe God's law to be like or what you think about your own life, in the depths of your conscience, I think every person knows, I've erred, I've strayed, I've moved away in some way from God's perfect plan. I've turned away from God, turned away from the Creator. It's like we've turned from true north. And when we use these created bodies, these created beings, souls, minds, for things or activities that God, our creator, didn't create us for. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of uh, me trying to fix electrical things in my house with a butter knife. And I've done that many times, actually. Not exactly Mr. Handy Fix-It over here. What happens is, you know, it doesn't quite work. And there's danger in the midst of it. Because we, as a people, and yet corporately and individually we've turned from god we've turned from true north we were on our we we were meant to have a relationship with god and it's been broken by our sin i don't need to spend more time explaining that to you you've either experienced your brokenness you're in the midst of experiencing your brokenness or you're going to see your brokenness it's unavoidable but not irredeemable that's the good news Brokenness is a reality in the world. It's unavoidable. We all deal with it. We have, we are, we will. But it's not irredeemable. That's where the second reality of reality, this made that up, brings hope for us. And that's this. The need for restoration and redemption has been accomplished by Jesus. God, the creator of this reality that got broken, also sent a redeemer for broken reality. So for those of us who are in Christ, we come to Jesus, we get, I talked about it last week, a do-over. We are restored to factory settings. We get to learn how to do it again. We get to go away from our own ways and go back to God's ways. Romans 6.23, sin pays off with death. Another translation, the wages of sin, what you earn, is death. That's what you get at the end of it. But God's gift is eternal life given by Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the good news of the kingdom. That's what's real for us as believers in Christ. We were on the road to death and what we did earned it. But the gift, boy, I love that word. 
the gift, the grace of God is this. It's eternal life through Jesus. And uh, sometimes I think we think about eternal life as just that thing that will hit us, that thing that we'll encounter when we actually physically die. And I just want to tell you, Jesus and uh, the New Testament church didn't see eternal life as something in the future. They saw eternal life granted by Jesus as a present reality. So John 17, 3, Jesus is praying. I love the way Jesus does it. He's like praying this prayer to the Lord, very powerful, intimate prayer, but he's doing it out loud. And in the midst of it, he's proclaiming truth to his disciples. And so in the middle of this prayer, Jesus says to his father, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus doesn't say eternal life is that thing that happens when sorrow flees away and there's nothing but glory, angels, and I don't know, whatever you imagine heaven to be like. For some of you, it's eternal basketball or something like that. I don't know. Jesus says it starts now. Jesus says this is eternal life. You know God and you know Jesus, his son. You know, you know the creator. You are restored to fellowship with the creator. So believers in Jesus this morning, I want to tell you that's your new reality. That's the reality we live in. We're in eternal life. That's a really good thing. I talked to someone the other day. You know, it's typical, hey, how you doing? She said, well, I grew up, I, I, I grew up, I woke up on the right side of the ground. I thought, well, okay. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is we're walking in eternal life, Right? <laughs> We're walking in eternal life. We're connected with the creator. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The type of transformation, reformation, restoration to unity with God that we need as broken creatures in a broken world has to come from the creator. And just think about it logically. The created thing cannot recreate itself. We as people can't fix ourselves because we didn't make ourselves in the beginning. We absolutely require the creator to do the internal work of transformation. Now, that, that, that is just as true for us as Christians 30, 40 years into our relationship with God as it was when we first met Jesus. And, you know, you remember that feeling? Oh, you're just overwhelmed with your, your recognition of sin and brokenness and your need. And you just realize, I need new life. I need forgiveness. I need redemption. We recognized our need, and Jesus came and met the need and forgave the sin. But it's still true now. We still need God for that ongoing transformation because the created cannot recreate themselves. It's the beauty of the faith in Jesus that we walk out, that, that every other religion that you find out there is this a desperate scramble for men and women to, to seek after God, to try to attain God, to try to go for God, to try to make our way. Good works, right thinking, save the creation, whatever it might be. None of those things are bad. They just won't get us to God. They just will fall short. And so the beauty of our faith, the truth of Christianity, is this, that God reached down in the person of Jesus. God reached down in the midst of our striving and in the midst of our need. He reached down and he said, here's redemption for you. This is a new reality. You can be restored to fellowship with God. 
And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Our faith is such a God-centered faith because only he can redeem us, the ones he created. And only he can bring us back to himself. The beauty of that is that as far as we might go from God, we can't run away from him. You know, how many of you felt like there was any time in your life you were running away from God? I, I did for sure. Okay, a lot of us, right? And, and I, could, I could give time for testimony, the stories of people who said, I ran and I ran and I ran. And when I finally turned around, there he was. You don't have to work your way back to God. Because the gift of restoration, of fellowship and relationship with God is a gift. John 1, 12 to 13, John the Apostle writes, but to all who did accept him, Jesus, and did believe in, his, in him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. They didn't become his children in any human way, by any human parents or human desire. They were born of God. So what, mean, what we mean when we say born again. Born again is not just a strange saying from the 70s. It's a reality for human beings separated from God to meet their creator again in the person of Jesus and actually live out an eternal kind of life, a life that's filled with joy. A perfect life? No. An imperfect life. The reality of imperfection, but with restoration available, with God's presence for us. And God is so um, excited about what he's done for us, his creatures, through Jesus, that he wants us to know, to know for sure where we stand with him. So John, again, writing from uh, Patmos, from his exile, says this, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God, doesn't know Jesus, does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I would just like to point out that the Bible doesn't say so that you may hope or wish or pray or bet on that you have eternal life, but that you would know. God is so desirous of, 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 of his children walking in the security and the confidence that no matter what happens, based upon our faith and the work of Jesus, we belong to him. It's just good to know we belong to him. And what that means is that we are not alone. So reality one, there's a broken world. The system is broken and we're broken. Reality two, God created, God gave a, a, a redemptive way, the work of Jesus. Reality three, maybe this is the hardest one because it's where we have to walk it out. Reality three, our only hope is a daily choice to trust God. I want you to hear that this morning. Our only hope is a daily choice to trust God. Sometimes I think we communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in a way that says, if you meet Jesus, all your problems go away. But let me tell you what happens when you meet Jesus. The consequences eternally of your sin are erased. Your relationship with God is restored. All things are new. 
A new perspective is available. But that doesn't make the world around you perfect. Right? And in practical consequence, in reality, your human form, walking through life, it doesn't make you perfect either. But it does give you perfect access to God. It does give you perfect access to the Creator. Once broken, we can't fix ourselves. We need God. But once held by God, we can't be lost again. So Jesus says, you know, everyone, I've got everyone who the Father gave me, and no one can take them out of my hand. When Jesus paid the price for us, it was once, it was for all. We didn't earn our way into relationship with him. We cannot sin our way out. I'm not suggesting you attempt it. (laughs) But we can't do it. We're secure. Doesn't mean that we can't turn away from God. It just means that he won't turn away from us. And the promise of God is not that when we come to faith that all things become perfect, but that his presence is always available. 100%. Always there, completely. So Matthew 28, Jesus is just about to leave earth to go to heaven. And he says, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13:3, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, a, a human being says to you, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a human promise. It requires God's power to keep 31 years of marriage right here. But when Jesus himself, son of God, says, I will never leave you or forsake you, there's never any doubt. There's never any worry. As a believer, you never have to wake up and say, Jesus, how do you feel about me today? (laughs) It's never a question that has to come because he proved his love towards you on the cross. Once fixed, changed, restored, I would like to say, let's be careful of going our old ways to fix ourselves, right? So reality is broken world, broken people. Reality is God sent the Redeemer, Jesus, and in him all things are new, sins forgiven, new power to live. But sometimes we're tempted to go backwards and try to fix ourselves, even as Christians, with old ways of fixing. So Jeremiah chapter 2 Nobody's favorite verse. (laughs) But I'll give it to you as truth. This is God speaking to his people. My people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Layman's terms, the angels are watching people who have been restored to God in Christ turn away from Jesus, the living water, and try to find our old ways to to do self-help and to fix ourselves. I don't need to go into Old Testament wells and water and all of that. Suffice it to say, you put fresh water in a clay pot in a a hole in the ground, eventually it's going to break. And so what God is saying is people, the people I love and I I long for, even in relationship with me, sometimes turn away and look to other things to try to bring change into their lives. Don't, Don't be offended. Don't be shocked. We all do it. 
We all at some point turn to a lie to bring ourselves comfort because reality is so hard. But the promise of God is this. Not I'll come into your life and take away all your problems, but I will be with you in the midst of it. Jesus doesn't come into our lives like a better drink or a better drug or a better escape from reality. He comes into our lives as a complete presence. He comes into our lives as a perfect father so that fear can be vanquished, so that addiction can be vanquished. There is no promise from God of perfect, you know, uh, uh, painless life on this planet before he returns. There is the promise of his presence with us. And you know what I say? That's all that's required. That's all that's required. That's what Jesus offers to us. The promise of his presence. Roxanne, are you here somewhere? Would you come forward? Uh, after the first uh, service, Roxanne came to Jane and gave, and gave a testimony. And it sort of links to the last story I want to tell. So I'd like Roxanne to share that. Hi, everybody. Is it working? It is. Okay. Um, so... Uh, I, some of you know my story. Um, I didn't come to Christ until very late in life. Um, I had been going through a really difficult divorce and um, just came to the bottom of myself. And um, I was someone who was used to being a very successful executive and managing my life. Uh, and I came to realize that I couldn't do it. And so I was seeking God and... Um, Right about this time, I was working at a, a company here in town, and um, I had a very senior position, and um, I got this email from one of the employees at this company, and she was a clerical person, and here I was like a senior vice president. And the email basically said, um, you know, I have been resisting sending this email because I was afraid because you're who you are and I'm who I am. You probably, probably don't even know who I am, uh, and I don't want to get in trouble. She said, but God's just been pushing me, and he said, um, you have to tell her something. And so she said, you know, I've, I've been resisting this for weeks. She said, but I, I just have to do it. And so she basically said, God wanted me to tell you that he's got you. And for, for me to receive that email out of the blue, um, and I'm seeking Jesus, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, like, God, he sees me. And, and he went out of his way to send me a message. And um, the second thing that happened during this same period was uh, there was a guy that I hired um, to come work for me. And he was a believer, and we just walked together quite a bit. And he was probably one of the instrumental people who helped me kind of get all the way to accepting Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And um, I talking to him after I had left the company, and he had left the company. So, you know, two or three years later, uh, he and his wife were having this conversation. And it just seemed so weird to them that um, he had moved to come to this job in Indianapolis, 
but it hadn't lasted very long. It only lasted like a year and a half, and they were kind of talking to each other about, wonder why God, what was God up to? You know, why did we come for a year and a half? And they both told me that they got that they had come for me. It was just so, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's how much God loves me. He put someone in my life who changed their life to be there for me. So. We don't understand the ways of God, but we do know that God is passionately pursuing relationship with the people he created. The ones that are unredeemed, the ones that that are redeemed, he, he, he longs to be with us because he he created us for that. I made sort of a joke at the beginning of the message about reality TV. You know, it's not real. But what I want to end with is kind of a a story of reality texting, I guess is what it is. Um, Jane and I have been at the church here for 15 years. But before we were here, I was working in business with my dad for seven years. And uh, just small insurance company in a small town in Pennsylvania. And I was just in the company selling insurance and trying to love my wife and help raise my kids. And I worked with two people named Tom and Barbie, real names. Okay. No fake names, real names, Tom and Barbie. Um, at the time I first met them, Tom and Barbie were married to different people. And I worked on the third floor of a building with both of them. And I watched each of their marriages fall apart. I mean, I, I watched as you watch, you know, at a colleague right next to you. I just, I watched life implode for them. Um, I later watched them come together as a married couple. They were married to each other after their divorces. I actually, the second wedding that I did as a pastor was Tom and Barbie's wedding. I went back to Pennsylvania after we'd been here a year, and I married them. A few years later, Tom and Barbie moved to North Carolina, just live in a small town in North Carolina, and got very involved in a church. I didn't know them as really strong Christians, Barbie probably more so than Tom. Tom, uh, a little fiery, a little... um, I learned some words from Tom I hadn't heard before. Let's just put it that way. Uh, And um, But when they went down to this uh, new town, uh, the Lord led them to a church, and they got in a small group, and they met Jesus in a brand new way that brought brand new life to them. And I haven't seen them much in the last years and haven't heard a lot from them, just occasionally sort of texting back and forth. On, um, on uh, the 26th of December, so day after Christmas, this last year, just a few weeks ago, I got a text from my dad, and the text from my dad said, um, Barbie and Tom have lost a son, and they'd like to talk to you. So um, I called Tom up on the, on the 27th uh, and um, talked to Tom and Barbie for about an hour. Barbie's uh, son, Jimmy, had taken his own life on Christmas Day. He was 33 years old, had a 14-year-old uh, child that he left behind. And they just wanted to talk, you know. I kind of assumed that what they would want was uh, pastoral care, guidance you know I had some part in their relationship and some pastoral input in their lives through the years even before they they knew the Lord they saw me as a you know as a spiritual person Um, and we talked for a long time and we talked some about pain but what was interesting to me is what they really focused on 
Tom said, Randy, it's terrible. It's hard. Please pray for us. Please pray for Barbie. But I just have to let you know, we had a Christmas miracle. And I'm like, what are you on? I said, okay, tell me about your Christmas miracle. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through a series of texts that went between Barbie, Tom, and some people in their small group right after the death of Barbie's son, Jimmy. So you'll catch it as I'm going along. This is reality texting. Alicia, she's the leader of this small group. Barb, we love you. Please let us know if you need anything. Sending prayers. So she sends that text to Barbie after she found out about her son and to this group in the small group. Bo, this is another man. This is Bo. Think you have wrong person because Bo wasn't in the group and in fact lives in Atlanta. Bill, another group member. Sorry, Bo. Bo, it's okay. Wish I could help because he realizes there's been some difficulty. Bill. Bo, you are one digit off of my wife's number, but we'd still appreciate a prayer. One of our group lost a loved one today. Bo, oh, so sorry. Always have prayers for anyone. God bless them. Bill, thanks. Bo, know how hard it is. When hard things in life that we deal with, all I can do is keep her in my prayers. Prayers that God's grace touches her heart to make the pain of the loss easy to deal with because his warmth has done that, or we wouldn't have talked. This is Bo, random, one-digit-off guy from Atlanta. (laughs) Alicia, numbers are correct now. Sorry about that. Bill, all is good. I made a new friend. Bo, no need to say sorry. God works in funny ways. Been having problems myself, so he's trying to show me there are others out there that need to feel his love. This happened because my prayers last night when I was losing my faith. God bless you and sorry for your loss. And I believe he wants to tell and show his grace for us, how much he loves us and touches all of us in ways we don't understand. That was the 26th, day after Christmas, day after Barbie's son died. December 27th, Bill, who seems to be the evangelist in the group. (laughs) Good morning. Your words last night were comforting to our friends, and I wanted to let you know that we're interested to know how we can pray for your faith to be strengthened. Bo, you took time and helped a stranger, so I believe. It sends a message and gives one faith to be strong. God knows everyone goes through rough times. I myself was tired of my family being taken away. From the day I was born, my family has been taken. I'm married twice. This is random one digit off, Bo. I married twice, lost it all with my first wife, got kids back, same with second wife, been on my own for a while, had two families, then a bad heart attack. I spent 30 days in hospital. No one came to see me. The past six years, I spent my birthday, which is on Christmas Day, alone. I didn't understand why God keeps taking people out of my life. This Christmas, I told him to let me die because pain was too much. So I was thinking about taking my life because I felt the Lord was not hearing my tears or me at all. Then someone in this group text, it was a wrong number. I realized that God still had me in his sight because if I had done what I was going to do, I wouldn't have been able to pass the love around. And there is, there is others like this group that had some love, some loved one passed. 
It was at that point I knew he needed me to share his love with you. Everything happens for a reason, and it could have been that my family and friends would be hurt over the way I chose to leave them. The Lord showed me that even a stranger's few kind words make a difference. Roxanne, even a stranger's few kind words make a difference. Bill, thank you, Bo. Jesus truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Bo, he hears us. Sometimes we're blind or can't hear him, but he had you text me so that six people, he had you to text me that helped six people that I don't know because it was you God sent to save me, even at a time when you needed his love. Sorry for the life loss you had, and thank you for saving mine. And then Barbie steps in and says, here's the information about my son, and asks Bo, where do you live? Bo, in Atlanta, God does work in funny ways. I truly am sorry for your loss, and if you ever need anything or just to talk, my heart is always open for you. His love saved me, and his love is strong. My heart is full and sad now, but you are a blessing from him to me. I'm 55, born on Christmas Day. I've been praying and crying because of things that went wrong in my life. And when I made up my mind to take my life, I got y'all's text. (laughs) Y'all's. Never think that he heard my prayers until y'all text and knowing about what happened. It's overwhelming. Love came through to me and sent angels spent spelt angles like you and your son to help me. We live in a broken world and we ourselves experience brokenness. And Jesus offers the redemption of restored life, not life that's perfect, not life that's without pain, I cannot explain or understand why Barbie would lose Jimmy. Jimmy's uh, son would lose a father. I don't know that. I'm not saying that God took one to save another. I don't know how it works. But I know that in the midst of the pain and reality of our lives, we can look to Jesus and he is fully present. And in the midst of our lives, in reality, the courageous walking out of reality as a Christian, Christians out there are not looking for our perfection. I mean, unbelievers out there, they're not looking for our perfection. What they're looking for is the reality of the presence of God in our lives, no matter what that means. We have impact. I mean, I've got other things to say, but maybe I'll just close with send the text. Write the email. Knock on the door. Pick up the phone. Boy, if you are in that position of the clerical worker who's just wondering, boy, could this get me fired? Realize that possibly it could get you fired. And possibly it might save a life eternally. I know Roxanne. Roxanne is, is in this church. She's an elder in this church. Roxanne helps people disciple others in this church. Roxanne leads people to Jesus. Why? Because she, in a broken world, she met Jesus through a broken person who said, Jesus is real. We have it to give away. That's reality. Let's pray. Why don't you stand? Lynn, would you come forward and play some music for us? And if, uh, if you're on the ministry team, would you come forward on the ministry team? Just come up front.
Before we pray, I just want to give you an invitation. It may be that this morning you're you're here, you're hearing about what it means to have a relationship with God, but all you really recognize is the brokenness of your life. Today's a day of redemption. Today's a day to give your life to the one who gave his life for you, to meet Jesus, to have sins forgiven, not to then come into a life of perfection, but to life with the perfect one, God, in your midst and on your team and in your being. Maybe you're a believer who has walked away for a time or you just recognize, hey, reality is I've been avoiding reality or reality is I've been looking to something other than God to fill this hurt and pain in my soul. Today's a day to go away from the cistern and come back to the fountain of living water. Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And if he believes in me, even as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That means the available presence of God at any time for any need. Let's pray. If you want someone to pray for you for any of those things or others, just come forward as we're praying. You're free. The team's here to, to, uh, to pray for you. God, thank you for your goodness expressed here among us. Thank you, God, that you have a plan. That plan included the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that plan included you reaching out to us through Christ to bring us home. Reach us today, Lord. Call us back from any broken cisterns we've returned to that don't provide life, healing, and health. Lord, we come to you, not not condemned by you, but invited to redemption. And Lord, we ask that you would grace us with boldness, faith, and power to go into the world and to express the gospel of love and power to the world. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, bring us into the reality of your presence in our midst like we've never experienced it before as individuals, as families, as a church, as a city. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. A breath of reality upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.